before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonore Cravota, as usual, on a Friday. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. So, uh, you know, have you been following the World Economic Forum? Uh, A little bit. It's crazy over there. You know, the Washington Post, uh, you got to hand it to Rebel News, right? But they... uh, went over to a journalist at the Washington Post and the guy was like why are you uh why are you filming me why are you why do you want to interview me and he was like well we want to show you what real journalism is all about <laughs> the guy didn't want to be interviewed um yeah. you know CNBC is getting their marching orders you know yeah. uh the Washington Post uh and uh Bezos is getting their marching orders from these people and you know the thing is is that i don't see fox news laying off ten thousand people no i mean the thing is is that when you take a look at all of that all that's happening right now you know uh you got microsoft laying off eleven thousand, amazon laid off eighteen thousand, and facebook laid off eleven thousand employees and it's it's trickling down. You got to wonder what are they preparing for? Are they preparing for the next Armageddon? Well, that's what it sounds like. That uh, cybersecurity threat that we've been hearing about. Well, when the World Economic when when two hundred one event says that well, <laughs> well actually let's go back a little further. When Fauci says there's going to be a pandemic in the next year or two, and then it happens, you got to be like, okay, Fauci's not Nostradamus. He's certainly not that bright of a man. Uh, he, he's smart in an evil way. But, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is that he killed a lot of people during the 90s in, in the AIDS ac- epidemic mm-hmm. by getting it wrong a lot. And he admits that he got it wrong. And for a doctor, I mean, this guy, to me, is out the lunch. I think he he's not the bright, sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to picking winners and losers. Yeah. Except for... When the deck is stacked against uh, the people, 
then he can, you know, he can, uh, he can, he can win because it's easy pickings. It's fraud. I mean, it's easy to make money robbing a bank, especially when the police force is your brother. Right. And by brother, I mean the government. You know, I mean, I be, I was one of the first ones here to say that Fauci was uh, working with the Department of Defense and the Pentagon. Uh, the State Department and the CIA, all working hand in glove to advance what we're seeing played out at the World Economic Forum. Yeah. Every single globalist at the World Economic Forum will tell you that COVID advanced the ball and, you know, aggressively pushed them ahead of schedule with regard to social credit score systems, and digital ID. And the digital ID is related to the social credit score system. And all of that was supposed to be, in part, you know, the vaccine passport. So they were going to do it in the name of health. And so that's why they were screaming at you to, you know, basically pounding the pavement, reprimanding you, trying to instill fear in you. That this is all for the greater good. And we, we all heard those media clips of people saying, you know, uh, shame on you people. And they said, we got to make it life very difficult for you. We got to make life very difficult for you uh, in, in the sense that um, you're, not, you're gonna, we're going to uh, coerce you into getting that jab. Yeah, I heard media outlet after media outlet, pundit after pundit, talking about that. And where's the skin in the game? Why, why do these liberals care so much about what the other guy is doing? You know, when, when it's, it's uh, keep your hands off my body when it comes to abortion. Speaking of abortion. It's the march to life. Yeah, and you know several people I know, you work uh, with. I know that, at least three people who I work with who are marching today. And you know what's interesting about it is this is the first time in the 50 years of the march that that the participants were marching in a situation since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yeah, that's so, a pretty big deal. So now their focus is going to be more about let's uh, – Lengthen the time, How many weeks, you know. Yeah. Let's let's uh, compress the time where in which a person's permitted to take in uh, to get an abortion. Let you know, focusing on different things because now the you know their agenda and their goalposts has shifted. And, and you know, and the other thing that people say is they talk about, all right, it's freezing cold out. Why can't? Uh, although actually, it's not that bad. But there have been uh, this year, but there have been many years where it's been freezing cold. Why can't we move it to June to, to you know to dovetail with the Dobbs decision? You know, it's funny. Uh, I saw this meme. They said, well, they said the coroner, you know, or the uh, uh, doctor declares the time of death when your heartbeat stops. Mm -hmm. Well, shouldn't it be the other way around? The minute your heartbeat starts, your life begins. Yeah. 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 So that was a good one. And then there was a comedian, his name, Burr, I think is his name. Really funny comedian. And he said, I don't know where you are on the abortion issue, he said, but he said, I know this. Uh, if you if I'm making a cake and you come in and uh, and you open up the oven and five minutes in uh, to the cooking uh, to the baking, uh, you take my cake and mm-hmm. you toss it across the kitchen. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's liquid at that point, right? Five minutes into the oven, yeah. right? It's liquid, yeah, yeah. right? It's like, what did you just do? You just, just destroyed my cake. Right. And the person says, it wasn't a cake. It's like, but it was going to be. It was going to be a cake. <laughs> yeah. So the same thing, right? Same. You get the, you uh, get the I argument. get the, I get yeah. the idea. I thought it was a pretty brilliant way to, to, to couch it. Now, I didn't do it justice because I'm not a comedian, but. But you are a baker. A baker. Yes. Yeah, I'm a baker, not a banker. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a banker. You're I've, a banker. I've been a banker. I can't say that I've really been a baker, but I did <laughs> attempt the plum pudding this year, and it wasn't bad. So, you know, here's the thing. So they, they were talking about, you know, pounding you into submission, and, you know, you lose your job. You know, there's still people that are out of work because they were fired from the government. Yeah. And there are people that are out of the army and out of this and out of that. Yeah. And their lives have been destroyed over this. And all it was was people to get the jab so that they can comply with the government. And they were trying to get the numbers up in such a way to where everybody would then, you know, they can kick into an, a vaccine passport like they do in China. And you get a QR code, and whether if you're good, you're good, and if you're bad, you're bad, and you don't get in. Yeah. So if you're you're not registered with the system, you don't get to go and watch the movie. You don't get to watch the game. You don't get to go and watch the play or the theater. You don't get to eat out. You don't get to even walk into a store and buy food. And that's the other thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're seeing these advancements with Amazon stores yeah. Yeah. and Whole Foods. Where you need a QR code to walk in the store. And then you can just put stuff in your basket and walk out. And somehow everything you pull off your uh, put in your basket, as soon as you grab it, it, it automatically knows you grabbed it. And, and you don't even have to check out. Well, that made me nervous because what, what if you have a kid who starts pulling things off of the shelf? And now I know that it's like the mini bar, that there's a little bit of a grace period before you suddenly start getting billed. No, and then if you put it back, somehow it's smart enough to know. If it's smart enough to do all that, then it's a little bit scary because it's smart enough to check your score. Yeah. It's it's smart enough to say, you're overweight, you can't get that stick of butter. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <clears throat> you, can, can, you yeah. pa- can you imagine what it would just say, all right, put that back. No, You've no. joined your 12-step program. Put the beer back down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you cannot, uh, it's just, it's the big brother, right? Right. You just know that the brochure says how convenient and easy and great this is. But the reality is that it always, like like I said, I was talking about this yesterday. Yeah. The Patriot Act, in the wake of 9-11, everybody agreed to it. 15 days to slow the curve to right. get a handle on COVID. Right. Everybody sort of agreed to it, right? Yeah. And they're like, okay, 15 days, I could do that. Yep. Yep. But then it became like, let's how, let's see how we exploit it. Right. And it's always the liberals that exploit these agreements, right? Yeah. So the American population is a forgiving, uh, you know, uh, open-minded, you know, flexible, compromising soul. And they, they agree to these things. To the brochure, they say that sounds pretty good, and that's the that's that's what's going on in Davos right now. They agree. They're talking to about this utopian world about how everything's going to be easier, yeah, and automated, and and, and you know that 
the, the internet was supposed to do that. But the internet's done nothing but because it's made it so everybody has left left Mother Earth and has gone into their basement and is living their lives online. They don't have a suntan. They don't have vitamin D. Um, they're getting pudgy because they're not moving around. Right. And they're living their best life online. And we've heard that story, too, that what you see on Facebook is like an airbrushed version of your real life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I really don't look like that. I really don't feel like that. Well, a lot I really of people don't do that. Like that. They use pictures that are old. They, you know, they should, they only show their best moments, which, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. Well, you know. Put yourself and, in a fishbowl and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And so you, you show your best self and then there's this depressed person that's alone that sees this best self all the time. And they, they get this false reality that life is so great for other people and so horrible for themselves. And it's leading to higher rates yeah, of suicide. of course it is. But what's happening in uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos is just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Um, they don't want to talk to any ma- any press that's not paid media. Right. CNBC has a headquarters up there, BlackRock. So you got the corporations that control the advertising yeah. to the media. And the media says to the advertisers... And by advertisers, I mean BlackRock, because BlackRock owns all the companies. So if all those companies, uh, BlackRock says you can you can advertise with them, but you can't advertise with them. They're bad. They're on a blacklist. Don't ever spend your money over there. Only spend your money over here. And CNBC has ponied up, and they're part of us. They're part of the World Economic Forum, so you can spend your money on them if you're going to spend any money at all yeah. on advertising. Yeah. And BlackRock is there to make sure that that is the case. None of the speakers will speak to an independent journalist. And, you know, it sort of sounds a little like this. I'm going to show you in just a second here. But this is what it sounds like right here. Listen to this guy, Richard Edelman. He's a PR genius, Edelman.com, so-called PR World Economic Forum speaker and self-proclaimed failure at boycotting free speech, nevertheless gets a platform to speak in Davos. So naturally, he disagrees with Elon Musk. Klaus Schwab's organization has been wrong about everything. Let's take a listen to what this moron, Richard Edelman, globalist and jerk has to say. So I think the first thing that, um, because I mostly work with business, that business needs to do is deprive um, platforms that spread disinformation of oxygen. Stop advertising. Pull your promotion money. Make sure that they understand that they have a consequential impact on society. And the boycott of Twitter for several months has had... A modest, modest impact, but I think the Facebook one failed. And, but the necessity of getting it right in the platforms that are probably primary source information for a third to 40% of people is urgent. That's evil. Yeah. That's evil. That's, uh, you know, and so the thing is, it goes both ways, moron. 
You know, and he's one person. And, you know, people need to make an example out of this guy, Richard Edelman. So you go to Edelman.com. He's a PR agent. You should write him. And you should tell him. Whoever he represents, you're going to boycott their products. And I think that that's what needs to happen. Yeah. See, folks, we are at war. And I don't think people understand this. We are literally in a battle for our survival. And it's crap like that where this guy holds and wields the bigger gun and has the most power because he has the support of BlackRock behind him. And he's fearless right now. This little, this little weasel is fearless, pounding his chest, acting like a big shot because he's got all this money behind him. But that money's not going to last for long. That's why I promoted and I, I praised Florida and Louisiana and there's two other states that divested from BlackRock to the tune of like $2.5 billion. And that's what needs to be done. These, these institutional and enterprise investments. BlackRock needs to feel it. Larry Fink needs to, to understand that even the biggest governments can collapse. The United States is going to be one of them if we don't get our act straight. So here's, I told you about the reporter, right? The Washington Post. Here's, here's a really good clip since I got the audio all kicked up. How you doing, mate? You gotta, you gotta love Rebel News, by the way. Uh, and here they are. They're approaching a Washington Post, Jeffrey Bezos, Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't they say Washington was a uh, slave owner? Yeah, yeah, they why, did. Why is it still the Washington Post? Why didn't they have to change? We, we their would name? have to na- rename everything. I mean, yeah. GW, uh, yeah. George Washington Bridge. Yeah. It'll keep going, you know. Yeah. It's, but you know, Jefferson. These uh, forget fools. it. We would have to rename uh, the majority of the high schools in this country. <laughs> I don't want to rename them. No, I you don't know, either. I don't want to rename them because these were actually. Our founding fathers and, exactly. and the people that, that made this country yeah, great. Exactly. All right. Uh, despite, uh, we could get it. That's a whole different story. But that was the way things were done back then. And slavery was done in Africa as well. So come on. And, you know, they say that the only reason why Native Americans weren't slaves is because they died off from European diseases. That's right. Otherwise, they would have actually been slaves too. Right. So anyway, the indigenous people. How you doing, mate? Why are you taking photos of them? You're interested in seeing how real journalists do it? <laughs> um, I'm not gonna talk to you guys. But why not? What do you what, what do you want? What do you, what, what, what do you want? You're standing there taking photos of I just, an interview. Sorry, my Instagram. I take photos of everything that happened on the promenade. I, so, I what was interesting it. about that? It's interesting that, that you guys are here, and there's interesting volunteers here. It's interesting that the Saudis are here. Davos is a spectacle, and we're all part of that spectacle. And what's your role in this spectacle? I report. I'm a journalist here. So do you question them inside? Because you seem to be an invited guest. For sure. Really? You ask them the tough questions in there? You don't just go along with the narrative? What is the narrative? There's a bunch of narratives that they're running. For example, the climate change narrative out here at the moment that seems a little bit hypocritical, don't you think? I'm not going to engage in this back and forth. So do you ask them about the hypocrisy in there? 
I ask about lots of things. And I do a lot of Have you asked them about the hypocrisy? You can read my reporting. On the Washington okay. Post? Yeah, good I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But uh, kudos to Rebel News. They, they, uh, they are out there, and that is not cheap to be there. It's a very expensive. I mean, the Leonora. Yeah. The hookers are costing twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> and it's like a huge business over there. You know, I uh, used to be IT, right? And I was in New York City. Yeah. And they used to have these events at the World Econ- uh No World Economic. Uh, the World uh, Waldorf Astoria. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got the World Economic Forum on the brain. Um, but the Waldorf Astoria. And they would, when the UN was in set town, they would have a lot of these big events, these galas and stuff at the World uh, Waldorf, Waldorf Astoria. Ast- yeah, Waldorf <laughs> Astoria. And I remember I used to do IT for a, a banking company, and yeah. um, you know, as a contractor. And uh, so I would be there and I would get to see all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And there would be like these warlords from like Haiti and yeah. Nigeria. Yeah. And they would have a woman on each arm coming out of some sort of a, a, a Rolls Royce or some Bentley or some yeah. you know, Mercedes Benz or something like that. And they would be like the Sultan of Suede. You know, they would be like just, <laughs> you know, with, you know, some of them would have like one of those big canes. Yeah. You know, like with the gold tip, you yeah. know, that's like a walking stick, but it's yeah. like, you know, a, a $15,000 walking stick. Yeah. Unbelievable. But, you, you know, um, the people I was working with, I was good friends with this administrator. And she was, uh, you know, appropriating funding. And yeah. they used to have American Express bills that were like $75,000 yeah. a month. Average, right? Yeah. They would book, this was back in the days of the Concord. Um, they would book the Concord and they would they would just, in one phone call, Make first class everything twenty six thousand dollars for airfare just to go to like right. London to Paris, Paris to New York, back to London, right? Right. And they would just whip out, spend twenty six thousand bucks on that yeah. easy. They spent one hundred and fifty thousand on their furniture, right? Uh, for their office furniture, I remember all the. And this was back, you know, in the nineties, yeah. early nineties. And so, um, she said one of the biggest expenses. And she was working with Nazarbayev and the mm-hmm. Kazakhstan, Kazakhs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they called them Kazakhs. Yeah. And she said one of the biggest expenses for their contingent, which there would be like a, a group of, a number of them that would come. Yeah. Is getting them escorts. Yeah. And they were, a th- back then they were a thousand a night. And... Um, you can imagine what that is now. Yeah. And, and so, you know... Again, these were the type of people you see at Davos. They were, they were in the oil trade business, and this is just big business. And, you know, you walk into the, the guy who headed up the bank. You walk into his office. He was pictured with um, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, mm-hmm. you know, the spook, the CIA right. mer- guy who was involved with the CIA um, assassinations and stuff. Oh, he used to be president as well, George Herbert Walker Bush. Um and Bush was in his robe with his dog. You know, yeah. like the guy was definitely connected. But I've seen this behind the scenes stuff and it's it's really disgusting. Yeah. And it's very lavish, but very disgusting. And the disinformation and what you see and what you get, you know, like the hypocrisy 
of uh, John Kerry or Al Gore. Al Gore gets it wrong all the time. But apparently, according to Tucker, at least, he's making like like tens of millions of dollars a year. He, he's brought in three, like over $300 million uh, off this climate scam. Yeah, which he's been doing now for, uh, I guess, about 17 years. Yeah. So let's take a listen to this dis- disinformation with them. And you wonder why it is that they're so angry and so it's not about the health. We already know the truth about vac- the, the vaccines and how ineffective they were. We already know the truth that uh, COVID was not as deadly as a lot of people were making it out to be. Uh, back in the day, there was all these empty hospitals, yet the media uh, that's paid by BlackRock and connected with the World Economic Forum um, was trying to say that these hospitals were overwhelmed, that morgues were overwhelmed, all this stuff was overwhelmed. Then these people on YouTube would go with their bikes and video footage of these hospitals, and they were dead. They were quiet. The streets were quiet. And you're like, okay, empty hospitals was trending. And you're like, what's going on here? And it's like, there was a whole lot of... Now they're coming out and saying... They inflated the numbers. Mm-hmm. All right. Why did they do that? Just like they, they try to tell you that there's going to be a flood. There's going to be 18 inches of snow, and it turns out there's three. Yeah. Um, it's just this false narrative. Well, it's always about power and control. And in this case, you got to wonder, why were they pushing the vaccines? Because they wanted that social credit score system to tie in with the CBDCs the central bank digital currency. They want to control your speech. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient. But our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. Get vaccinated. So you basically see it. This is going to be like, well, it's almost like, uh, you probably don't see it like this, the two different classes of people. If you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated, you get all these rights. If you are vaccinated... That is what it is. So, yep. Yeah, if you are anti-mandate, you are absolutely anti-vax. I don't care what your personal vaccination status is. If you support, champion, give a green light, give comfort to, support anybody who argues against the vaccine, you are an anti-vaxxer. Absolutely. Your personal vaccination status is utterly irrelevant. If you campaign against the mandate, if you campaign against people being vaccinated in vulnerable settings, teachers in classrooms, I'll be really clear, at that point in time, people are actually supporting the idea of a teacher being unvaccinated in a remote community classroom with kids who cannot be vaccinated. I reject that, I still reject it, and if you are out there in any way, shape or form campaigning against this mandate, you are absolutely anti-vax. All right, so there's a lot more to that. That's an eight-minute clip. Yeah. Um, but you get the idea. And here's the thing about that, is the same people that are supporting that uh, are the same people that have caused 
I'm looking at a picture right here of a can, uh, a, like an eight ounce can of beef broth, Campbell's. Yeah. $5.09. Yeah. Now that was in Alaska, St. Paul, Alaska. The picture was taken. I said, the middle class is under attack. They rigged the elections to empower your adversaries. So the middle class is under attack. They rigged the elections to empower your adversaries to turn your government against you. They are the army, the police, and the investigators of their crimes. This was their plan all along, and they never cared whether you knew it or not. See, this whole thing about like what Carrie Lake is doing, and it's futile. Yeah. Because they don't care. They, no, they don't care. They don't care, care they, what the judges are going to say. They, they don't, don't care anything. They don't want to reform the system. They, they, no, but they, they're in control of the system. Yeah. See, I mean, the thing is, is that if, that's what a coup is. A coup is when you take over the government and you control the military and the police. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do, and by the way, if you think about it, they want to arm the IRS agents. They want to, uh, and the Homeland Security is already armed, right? And so you got Mayorkas heading up that. You got the Department of Justice heading up um, by Merrick Garland. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Chris Ray heading up the FBI. Mm-hmm. You got the CIA and the State Department completely liberal with all Biden's cronies. And they're turning a blind eye to our Constitution. And the Department of Education, they're trying to indoctrinate. And they've weaponized our government against us. And they've taken just about every every strong arm piece to where Biden can sit up there and say about your gun rights, you're going to need more than an AR-15, man. Yeah. Uh, we got F-15s. Yeah. An AR-15 is not going to beat an F-15. So bring it, you know, but we're going to take your guns Mm -hmm. and we use our F-15s if we have to. That's in essence what he said. I'm paraphrasing, but that's in essence what he said. They came in and and one great thing about Trump is he had them turn take uh, they had to take off that veil and they had to let let it be known who they really were. And yet, you know what bothers me the most there are still people that live on in our neighborhoods and that we consider our friends that are too blind and dumb to see it. All that we've laid out, everything that's going on, and they're too blind and dumb and ignorant to see the truth. They're looking at the shiny brochure and think that it's good. Yeah. And then they turn around and they say, I trust them. And they don't see the big picture and how this is going to come back to haunt them until it's too late. And this is what bothers me the most is I can't get through to my friends. They think I'm the the conspiracy nut that's a lunatic. Right. They it's think the other I'm way the around. Yeah, they think I've lost my marbles. Right. Well, whereas actually they have lost theirs because there is a distortion that's been going on. And we've got this country increasingly moving further and further to the left. But again, that's only just half of it. The other half is uh, is in the right or right to center. I mentioned education. Take a look at this. One of the big tickets items at, at Davos is is uh, min- minority uh, 
attracted persons. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. There's another it? word for that. We call it pedophilia. Yeah. So using a euphemism like minority attracted persons, it's getting rid of the responsibility. Minor, yeah, it's minor attracted minor, persons. No, yeah. I meant to say the same yeah. thing. Minor attracted persons. This is, you know, a euphemism of a term which is technically a crime. Not even technically. It yeah. is a crime. And But they're trying to <laughs> get rid of responsibility and say, I'm a minor attracted person. I can't help myself. Right. Folks, my name is Miranda. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and sex therapist in Erie, Pennsylvania. And today I want to talk about minor attracted persons. And I want to talk about minor attracted persons because they are probably the most vilified population of folks in our culture. And most folks are making incorrect assumptions about them without actually knowing much about them. And those assumptions create harm for an already marginalized population. You may have noticed that I'm using the term minor attracted persons, sometimes abbreviated to MAPS, instead of the more commonly used term pedophile. And I'm doing this because the term pedophile has moved from being a diagnostic label to being a judgmental, hurtful insult that we hurl at people in order to harm them or slander them. I also prefer person-first language that recognizes that any label we might apply to a person is only part of who they are and doesn't represent everything that they are. We are all people first with many different facets or parts of ourselves, and this includes folks who are attracted to minors. So to start with, let's talk about what a minor attracted person is or who they are. This term simply means that the person has an enduring sexual or romantic attraction to minors. They've not chosen this attraction just as the rest of us have not chosen whatever our attraction is. You don't get to choose to be heterosexual or to be gay or, or whatever you are. And you don't get to choose to be a minor attracted person. Some minor attracted persons are attracted to a specific age range of minors, while some are not. And some minor attracted persons are exclusively attracted to minors and are not attracted to adults at all. Some minor attracted persons are also attracted to adults. That's disturbing, right? That's definitely disturbing. And, you know, one of my favorite novels is Vladimir Nabokov's Lolita, in which the character Humbert mm. Humbert is attracted to what we would call minor attracted persons. Do you know where he winds up in the end of the book? Jail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's where she should be. Uh, being proposed in the name of climate at, uh, at World Economic Forum in Davos, since children are less likely to procreate, but the real reason is to normalize the behavior of those on the Epstein list to soften the blow of their illicit behavior. I believe that's what's going on there. Um, castration clinics for kids are up by 15,000%. Do people understand that this is part of the depopulation program, which is also part of the World Economic Forum? Anybody who supports this is beyond. Yahoo News. Yahoo News. Okay, that's supposed to be mainstream media. Right. 
There's a picture of these men with these bellies. Yeah. And it says, transgender men can get pregnant. Here's what they wish more people understood. That's from Yahoo. Okay. So Charlie Kirk posted that and he says, so yeah, this got published. (laughs) Let me say this emphatically. It is impossible for a man to get pregnant. Well, Leonardo, you're going to love this one because you you had asked me if I was going to play this one. I said, yeah. Um, Minnesota Democrat Sandra Feist calls. She's elected official at the state level. She's a state uh, legislator. Calls for feminine hygiene products in boys' bathrooms. What? Not all students who menstruate are female, she says. Let's take a listen to this elected official in Minnesota. I would, I would encourage uh, the committee to vote no on this amendment um, for a few reasons. Um, practical, financial, social, emotional. Um, first, uh, there are a lot of schools that are moving towards gender-neutral bathrooms. And if we add female, we might become obsolete very quickly. Um, second, not all students who menstruate are female. Um, we need to make sure that all students have access to these products. Um, there are obviously less um, non-female menstruating students, and therefore their usage will be much lower. And that was actually um, calculated into the cost of this um, and how much we decided to fund it. And so we, we do not expect that the non-female menstruating students will use um, these products as much as the, the students using female bathrooms, but it's important to have them there. Um, and that brings me to the, just the social-emotional reasons for that. Um, these students who are not female, who menstruate um, face a greater stigma and barrier um, to asking for these products. And so providing them in an easily accessible place um, in all student bathrooms is particularly important for those students. This very clearly. It is impossible to be a non-female menstruating student or anything else. Only females menstruate. If you are a man and you are menstruating, Get to the hospital. There is something wrong with you. Yeah. I mean, this is ludicrous. That this is, is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the, the idea that this type of propaganda is being spread around is nuts. The only time I ever saw a man use a tampon in a film, it was, uh, I, I saw something, I think it was in Sex in the City, where it was used uh, when somebody uh, broke their nose as uh, some type of thing to, you know, like a gouge or whatever, you know, uh, gauze for that fact. fact. Men do not menstruate. They do not need sanitary pads. They do not need tampons. Let's get this one straight. So, but this is, this is you know, we can laugh about it all we want, but this is getting serious, right? It's getting serious. We know what this is. This is grooming. Reality. This is gaslighting. This is grooming. This is indoctrination. Yeah. This is an attack on judicial, Judaic Christian values. This is an attack on Christianity. This is an attack on normalcy. This is an attack on the fabric of our society. It's an attack on biology and anatomy. And it's trying to confuse children. And all these people wear these big, funky glasses, yeah. and they have their hair colored in a certain way. You know, it's, it's like you could see them coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. And these people shouldn't be, there should be a restraining, I wish there was a re- blanket restraining order uh, where you could say, anybody who pushes, advances this stuff needs to stay 10 feet away from my child. Yeah. So why is the World Economic Forum trying to normalize minor attractive persons? Is it because Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell's sister works for them? Maybe. Isabel <laughs> Maxwell works for them. <clears throat> they pick all the right liberals, right? 
And then somebody else says this, Elon Musk is calling for the Epstein client list to be released. Do you agree with him? And the response, someone responded and said, yes, but hey, the World Economic Forum wants to decriminalize age gap love. That's another phrase. Age gap love. Okay, well, we used to call it May-December romances or something, (laughs) but that dealt with people that were both of majority. It didn't involve a minor or in a minor attractive What do you mean majority? Well, when people that were at least 21 of age, majority. I never heard that phrase yeah. uh, associated with... Uh, you're a minor or... Well, you don't say you're a major, but you but you are of majority. You I are, never heard majority yeah, used yeah. in that way. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. And be inclu- it says, the World Economic Forum... Someone wrote this. The World Economic Forum wants to decriminalize age gap love. I've never heard that phrase <laughs> before. And be inclusive of minor attractive per- attractive persons. So maybe Epstein wasn't such a bad guy after all is what they're trying to sell. Just misunderstood. I can't wait to see how they update the flag to include pedos and does the red umbrella cover that. So they got this flag, you know, the new rainbow flag with the Black Lives Matter uh, thing. It's just absolutely I got nuts. a question, though. How do, do they reconcile the minor attracted persons with the Me Too movement? I mean, how, do, how does that work out? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean. I don't know. But Peter Sweden, who I follow on uh, Twitter, he says, in case you didn't know, the Great Reset was a term coined by the World Economic Forum. They want to create a global order where they have complete control. And he's asking that you resist. He says, the World Economic Forum has an article where it says, there are rational reasons to implant a tracking chip in your children. You will get the brain implant and you will be happy. Yeah, right. So it's a scary thing what's going on there. I think the World Economic Forum is losing ground, though. Mm -hmm. People, uh, there are more people that are skeptical about what their mission is now. Yeah. Um, And it seems like it's just a circus. Mm -hmm. And I I would imagine that more and more people are not going to want to be seen next to these monsters. It would be like, do you want to take a photo op with Hitler? In the 1930s, it might have been, oh, I'd love to. And then in the 1940s, you're like, absolutely not. (laughs) You know, he's bad news. But let's take a listen to this. So there was the hockey player, right? There was that hockey player. His name was Ivan Provorov. He's uh, his. Uh, he is a Philadelphia Flyer. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ivan Provorov. Yeah, Provorov. Yeah. Okay, so he had a great speech. He he basically was asked by reporters. He said, "No, I just my religion, my faith. He's mm-hmm. Russian. Yeah, and Russians, they got it right." They definitely uh, have Putin's a right. Putin's policies on these domestic issues is spot on yeah. and right. And uh, and yet it's the globalists and uh, that are supporting the Ukrainians, Ukrainians and escalating the war that they could have easily avoided. And we're supposed to somehow support them and believe them, especially after your donations to help Ukrainians uh, went to FTX, which went to Sam Bankman-Fried, which helped rig the elections. Give me a break. The, the the globalists of the West have become the Hitlers of the past. Hmm. And, yeah. And uh, let's take a listen to this guy who's basically uh, talking about this, this Provorov, Ivan, you know, this Russian. And Ivan Provorov can get on a plane any day he wants and go back 
to a place where he feels more comfortable, take less money, and get on with his life that way. If it's that problematic for him. And he's been in North America for a long time. He played in the Western Hockey League. He's now been in Philadelphia for many years. If this is that much of a problem for him to maybe assimilate into his group of teammates and in the community and here in this country, that's okay. Listen, you can feel any way you want. But the beauty is, if it bothers you that much, there's always a chance to leave, go back where you feel more comfortable. I understand there's a conflict of sorts going on over there. Maybe get involved. So... So you get the idea of what he's saying yeah. there, right? Yeah. If you don't, if you don't wear our jersey and put on the pink bow and uh, dance for me, yeah. If you don't put on that stupid pink pink tutu as a male hockey player, then go back and kill yourself in a war. Yeah. I mean, it says here the gay rights movement went from we just want to be left alone to go die in a war if you don't wear the rainbow jersey. It's absolutely absurd. Then this is where we are right now with the, with all of this. So, you know, it's crazy. So Emerald Robinson wrote this. When the FBI director files flies to a foreign country to brag, he, well, Chris Ray gave a speech over at Davos, right? So wh- why the FBI director needs to be at a World Economic Forum is beyond I me. I don't know. But, um, when the FBI director flies to a foreign country to brag at a globalist conference that he's got the U.S. government and the private sector monitoring and censoring everyone in clear violation of the Constitution, that's when you know America's government has become uh, tyranny. And, um, and then she writes this. The FBI ran the Russian hoax. The FBI's hiding laptops from Seth Rich. There's some new information about Seth Rich, by the way, that came out last week, and that is that the FBI admits that the uh, he was directly connected to the so-called hack, mm-hmm. and he delivered the information. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but that's like not even news anymore, just like the CIA killed JFK, but nah, who cares? <laughs> um, the FBI ran the Russian hoax, the FBI... Hiding laptops from Seth Rich, Uma Abedin, and Hunter Biden. The FBI ran the January 6th insurrection with Ray Epps. And the fake Governor Whitmer kidnap plot. FBI agent was Arizona's election director in the 2022 election. What's the GOP done about it? Nothing, she says. And that's true. So, Wall Street Silver writes, Before we ban gas stoves, can we maybe ban fentanyl first? Yeah. That'd be a good idea. Wouldn't that right? be a good idea? So, Ala, Ala, here, you can't have it both ways. Alejandro Mayorkas concedes FEMA needs to provide emergency food and shelter program funds to cities around the country as the border crisis overwhelms local authorities across the U.S. Well, Eric Adams in New York, the mayor, right? Yeah. Is complaining. We can't sustain anymore. We can't handle it. Handle it. Forget about El Paso and all these people that are really taking the tip of the spear there. So, what he can't have it both ways. He can't have it both ways. He can't say that the border is secure and then call for emergency funding because all they're doing is when they wanted more money for the southern border, they wanted it to expedite processing. They didn't want to build one brick of wall. AMLO uh, praised Joe Biden for not building one foot of wall. Yeah. And he said that, and I played that clip last week. But here. Email 
is providing emergency food and shelter program funds to help cities around the country recover or defray the costs of non-citizen arrivals. CBP and ICE are working closely with cities to share information and coordinate the disposition of non More money for the illegal migrants, yeah. illegal immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. These illegals that are breaking our laws. We need to give them more money. Right. We need to give them more. We need more to shelter, encourage more people comfort, to break more, more food, laws. More more everything. Yeah. And you're going to pay for it, middle class, if you, whether you like it or not. Right? It's absolutely absurd. I want you to take a listen to this Tucker piece right here um, before we run out of time. And it's almost as if he's listening to our show because that whole thing I said about the CIA and the JFK and how it connects with Watergate, uh, he did that last night. All right. And I said, I got to play it because I think he's listening to my show. He may be. So what's notable as a political matter is that every one of these disasters, the fentanyl epidemic, the chaos and crime in our cities, the invasion underway through Texas, Arizona, and California, all of those deeply concern Americans. We're not guessing at that. Polls show it very clearly. By contrast, how many voters do you think are lying awake right now worrying that public officials might violate some obscure federal classification law? None. Not a single person. No one outside Washington cares or even understands the issue. And yet, it is classified documents, not our open borders, that the Justice Department is punishing Joe Biden for. Why is that? What's going on here? Well, it's simple. Washington is protecting itself. Joe Biden alone is responsible for this crime. He alone took home classified documents. He didn't have help in doing that. But allowing the country to be invaded, that's not something you can do by yourself. So if Biden were to be taken down for opening the southern border, a lot of other people would go with him. He had a lot of accomplices. Permanent Washington doesn't want that. And ultimately, and here's the point, permanent Washington is in charge. It's not the democracy you imagine. We're seeing that now. So if you want to understand, if you really want to understand how the American government actually works at the highest levels, and if you want to know why they don't teach history anymore, one thing you should know is that the most popular president in American history was... Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. Yet somehow, without a single vote being cast by a single American voter, Richard Nixon was kicked out of office and replaced by the only unelected president in American history. So we went from the most popular president to a president nobody voted for. Wait a minute, you may ask. Why didn't I know that? Wasn't Richard Nixon a criminal? Wasn't he despised by all decent people? (laughs) No, he wasn't. In fact, if any president could claim to be the people's choice, it was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was reelected in 1972 by the largest margin of the popular vote ever recorded before or since. Nixon got 17 million more votes than his opponent. Less than two years later, he was gone. He was forced to resign. And in his place, an obedient servant of the federal agencies called Gerald Ford took over the White House. How did that happen? Well, it's a long story, but here are the highlights, and they tell you a lot. Richard Nixon believed that elements in the federal bureaucracy were working to undermine the American system of government and had been doing that for a long time. He often said that. He was absolutely right. On June 23, 1972, Nixon met with the then CIA director, Richard Helms, at the White House. During the conversation, which thankfully was tape recorded, Nixon suggested he knew, quote, who shot John, meaning President John F. Kennedy. Nixon further implied that the CIA was directly involved in Kennedy's assassination, which we now know it was. Helms' telling response? 
total silence. But for Nixon, it didn't matter because it was already over. Four days before, on June 19th, the Washington Post had published the first of many stories about a break-in at the Watergate office building. Unbeknownst to Nixon and unreported by the Washington Post, four of the five burglars worked for the CIA. The first of many dishonest Watergate stories was written by a 29-year-old Metro reporter called Bob Woodward. Who exactly was Bob Woodward? Well, he wasn't a journalist. Bob Woodward had no background whatsoever in the news business. Instead, Bob Woodward came directly from the classified areas of the federal government. Shortly before Watergate, Woodward was a naval officer at the Pentagon. He had a top-secret clearance. He worked regularly with the intel agencies. At times, Woodward was even detailed to the Nixon White House, where he interacted with Richard Nixon's top aides. Soon after leaving the Navy, for reasons that have never been clear, Woodward was hired by the most powerful news outlet in Washington and assigned the biggest story in the country. And just to make it crystal clear what was actually happening, Woodward's main source for his Watergate series was the deputy director of the FBI, Mark Felt. And Mark Felt ran, and we're not making this up, the FBI's COINTELPRO program, which was designed to secretly discredit political actors the federal agencies wanted to destroy, people like Richard Nixon. And at the same time, those same agencies were also working to take down Nixon's elected vice president, Spiro Agnew. In the fall of 1973, Agnew was indicted for tax evasion and forced to resign. His replacement was a colorless congressman from Grand Rapids called Gerald Ford. What was Ford's qualification for the job? Well, he had served on the Warren Commission, which absolved the CIA of responsibility for President Kennedy's murder. Nixon was strong-armed into accepting Gerald Ford by Democrats in Congress. Quote, we gave Nixon no choice but Ford, Speaker of the House Carl Albert later boasted. Eight months later, Gerald Ford of the Warren Commission was the president of the United States. See how that works? Wow. (laughs) All right, well, before we head out of Dodge, visit American Spectator and find my article about uh, my review of the new book about Roald Dahl, the author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, called Teller of the Unexpected, a Biography. All right, that sounds great. Also, one other thing about what he just said, Um, you know, Hillary Clinton served on the Watergate Commission. Yes, she got fired. And next thing you know, she was running the Russian hoax scandal which was the same operation as Watergate. So it all ties together. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show and uh, be sure to check out buglecall.org. Buglecall.org. You can check out who's on our board by going under about the about section. Make a donation if you can. It helps Red State Talk Radio and the Scott Adams Show. So do that. Go to magapack.org if you like. And also use Red State as your MyPillow code over at MyPillow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.